Because Big Cock, he gives a good crow every time. He's not mean to the ladies. He's just right down the middle of what you want in, in your cock. Welcome to the Beat Around the Bench podcast, a podcast about woodworking, good times, and general jackassery. With your hosts, Jess of Jess Build It, Colton of Colt Crit, and Ross of RNC Woodworking and Designs. You can find us all on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Now for episode 22, Deuce is Wild. Deuce is Wild, baby. What's going on? Yeah. Hey, Jess, you have, you have your uh, your coffee this morning? I, in your, uh, in your I, most relaxed I, way possible? I was. I, are we going to talk about that? I mean, so, it's, it's the naked elephant in the room. Well, so yeah. so for our listeners, uh, we had a hurricane. At, well, it was north, right? So it was about 150 miles north. It hit like Cedar Key mostly, like kind of in the crotch of of Florida. But we're in Tampa, and we got a lot of flooding. Actually, um, there was like in my old neighborhood because we just moved. There was a lot of flooding, and there was like a lot of water because you still had six foot storm surge, which unfortunately the way that some of it's built, it comes up pretty high. So um, the guys had texted me and said, how are you doing? Well, they, a lot of the roads are closed and our shop is like near the beach. So there was no driving there, even though like, even if there was power on at the shop. Right. So um, was the shop said, affected at all? No, no. Not at all. Oh, no, good. The power, yeah. I, they don't think the power went out. I mean, just there's a bunch of big oak trees on the property, like you guys saw. It makes a hot mess in the parking lot. That's about it. So, um, you know, I texted my boss. We kind of all texted in the morning. And we're like, you know, just sit tight. And then it just it just kind of kept getting nastier because it hit in the morning. Mm-hmm. So we got the day off of work. So I mean, and what am I doing? I'm just watching the Weather Channel like everybody else in the whole state. So. Um, it's like a snow day, but you're right, when right. you're a kid, but exactly there's a lot more anxiety about it because you actually like have property a, to look out for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like a little mini hurricane party here. So um I'm just anyway, so the guys texted me and they're like, How's everything going? Are you doing all right? And I said, Yeah, I'm fine. I'm naked drinking coffee. And they're like, <laughs> I think I offended Ross a little bit. He goes, TMI. And Colton's like, I gotta try that. Oh, well, man. It was more I mean, that it was it was a mental image I wasn't prepared for at like six thirty in the morning my time. Well, my wife was. <laughs> so the the, the reason that I was naked is because I sleep naked. And second of all, the the new place that we're in is so small and the kitchen's so small. I don't have room for a coffee pot in the kitchen on the counter because it would take up too much counter space. So we actually have like a little coffee station in our room when these big built-ins behind us, if anybody can oh, see Oh, nice. It. And like another side has like a thing for shakes because we make protein shakes after we go to the gym. So I bought a little mat and like coffee mugs and stuff. It's kind of cute, actually. I like it. And I love the bedroom smelling like coffee in the morning. So I was like, this is great. I like it was raining outside. I could hear the wind blowing. I'm watching the weather channel and I'm like drinking coffee and me and her just talking. It was freaking amazing. So yeah, naked well, drinking awesome. coffee. So I tried that, um, except this one morning that I tried it, I wasn't drinking coffee. I was drinking a monster, right? And <laughs> I, on the back porch, and I, you know, like the clouds opened up kind of like whenever Simba sees his dad. For the second time, uh, 
Wait, yeah, it's, yeah, Simba. And That's except right. it wasn't it wasn't Simba coming through the clouds. It was uh, Kid Rock and Hulk Hogan. And they both gave <laughs> a big hell yeah, brother. And uh, and then they went away. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about it. But it's Vail. a magical experience. Like, I don't yeah. know. You know, normally I just, when I drink my coffee, like I'll throw enough ice cubes in there for me to chug it and I chug it and it, it's like a hammer, right? Like for me, like I don't care if I'm swinging a, a hot pink hammer or whatever. It It's a it's a tool, right? Coffee is for me is the same thing. It's a tool. Really? But yes, but I don't know. Taking your time and relaxing, I did see some value in that. And like getting prepared for your day. I have to imagine you you threw out some sort of innuendo to your wife about drinking a monster with your monster out kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't even think about that. How did you miss that opportunity? Hopefully I get get another chance to do that before she listens to this podcast. Oh, that's genius. You have it until Friday. So so, I really... Oh, you got it, Jess. What? Well, I was going to say, there's, I mean, I don't know, like, when you're, like, the house is kind of cold because our air conditioner in this new place it's is amazing. It's cold in the pool. It was our, cold our, in the pool. It's our, cold. Old, our old place. Shrinkage. You know what? Shrinkage is. So I, I just, the sheets were cold and she was like, you know, still kind of halfway awake, halfway asleep because I woke up pretty early and that coffee's hot. And I, that's the one. No matter if I'm on a diet or not, I'll buy like really good creamer because I don't use a lot of it anyway. So like I'll buy some fun like cookies or whatever, some fun creamer, and they're always changing them. And I just really enjoy it. Like, but after about two cups, mm-hmm. I'm done. Like, start getting a bad taste in my mouth. So it like warms you up inside, and your body's all cold. I don't know. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Just, well, uh, just like that McDonald's lawsuit. Don't spill that on yourself while you're naked, though. I got that's mm-hmm. for that. Yes. Uh, that's Make sure you're cool down enough. Make sure you know where your creamer comes from. And That's so right. I have a picture for a sticker that I, I've already started drawing up a little bit. It's um, so picture this. We got a, a lawn chair on like maybe whether it's in the shop or not, doesn't matter. We got a lawn chair. We got Jess sitting it. He's facing away from us about like a 30 degree angle. Right. And he's naked. You can see his hairy legs, some of his tattoos. And he's got his uh, his trucker hat on and he's holding a cup of coffee with some steam coming off it. And I think we should have that. It's a circle sticker around the top. It says uh, drink coffee naked on the bottom. Beat around the bench. Like, yes. I pictured that sticker. I, I, I'll put that on, on, on. We can we can make it happen. Excellent. Excellent. Right. Uh, so. A couple things for you, gentlemen. We we actually did have some 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 uh, submissions, if you will, for questions, and I know these went yes. over pretty well last time. But there were some really good ones that came in that kind of sparked some things for me, and I think could spark some bigger discussion for us. So the first question, not as much discussion here. The first question came in from Rob at Life on Zeist. He said, "What would you say you do here?" So. <laughs> Uh, that was so helpful, obviously, in the discussion of all of it. Uh, but really, the the good questions came. My dad actually listened to the podcast, the last episode, for the first time ever. And he was oh, like, wow. first of all, this is really good. Yeah. He's like, but oh, yeah. you guys have a lot of knowledge between you. And it sounds like you've been all doing it for a while. He's like, so I want to know the discussion between the three of us, kind of a multi-phase question here. If you were starting a new shop, 
with the knowledge that you have now, what tools would you say are essential for starting that shop? And he kind of broke it into bigger power tools, small power tools, and then hand tools. Well, I've been in this position. That's where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, And somebody literally asked me that question and was willing to pay for it. Of course, I went for a large scale to make a lot of stuff. But if, can I go first? Yeah. Yeah, get it on. Go for broke. So I've thought about this many times. If I was going to do it on my own, what would I, what would I spend the money on? You know, Mm -hmm. and number one would be a really good table saw. That is the backbone of any shop. You can do anything with a table saw. And I would, I would opt for a 12 inch. I really would. Even if it only had, you know, like three horsepower or something, I would opt for a 12 inch just for that thickness of cutting capacity makes a big difference when you start doing certain things later on. You think that Uh, also would help keep your blade like fresher longer as well? Like if you have more teeth. I don't know. I know that I know that you can't really I know that the 12 inch blades that are designed for a table saw, because a lot of people will put a 12 inch blade that goes to a miter saw and it's thin. But a 12 inch mm-hmm. blade that's designed for ripping cuts on a table saw is thick. It's really very it's much you feel it, how much thicker it is. It doesn't wane when you cut hardwood. Um, so th- there's a difference there. I don't know if it wears out any faster or slower. Um it, 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 you would think it would wear out slower, right? Cause there's more teeth, but, mm-hmm. um, but I would get a table saw, a, um, it depends on what I was going to be making, but I, I hate to say it, but let's just say we're going to do stuff, smaller stuff. Pocket screws are fantastic. If you know how to use them, right. Correct. Right. And hide yep. them and, and use them in a little glue, maybe some dowels. You can really make a pocket screw, make a nice joint for somebody if you're trying to be quick. Um, I would say a planer as big a planer as you can afford and a big a joiner as you can afford. Those, those are like the three staples of a shop. You know, everybody's got, you know, some drills and stuff like that are very important uh, an assortment of drill bits. Uh, I have a drill bit box that I've been building for years that has every tip, every, you know, I've got a whole thing of drill bits, just everything you could want. And then, um, as far as smaller things, you'll never have enough clamps. Like pipe clamps is usually a cheaper, better way to go. Uh, mm-hmm. and some squeeze clamps, pipe clamps and squeeze clamps. And, um, I hate to say it, but the domino is like a game changer. If you couldn't afford a, a table saw and you just, and you had limitations on your size, then I would say get a track saw. At least you could rip, you know, very accurate things. I, I'm pretty sure I could build a kitchen with a track saw, pocket screws, and a drill. I'm pretty sure I could. Yeah. I could build cabinet boxes, face frames, doors. I think I could build a whole entire, a nice kitchen with a track saw and, and a dr- set of drills and some pocket and screws. If, I mean, if you want to splurge, you could get just a chop saw. Just to make yeah, things oh, a little easier. Yes, and and of course the chop saw. I, I'm kind of big on chop saws. I notice some guys don't like them. Some people do. But a well tuned chop saw with a nice setup, like a stand or build a cabinet for it, um, is huge. It makes everything so much because doing cross cuts, 
let's say you're making a tall door for somebody and it's 80, 90 inches long and you're trying to do a cross cut with that in your table saw, that's kind of cumbersome. So a chop saw, you know, you just slap it in there, set a stop and and you can make repeatable cuts 90 inches long. So Now the difference is if you're doing more like cutting boards and stuff like that, then a cross cut right. sled works really well on your table saw. Perf, perf, and, yes. and that's a, you know, that's a way to kind of bridge you until you can afford the chop saw. Yes. But yeah. Chop saws are pretty inexpensive, honestly. Yeah. I especially think. on yeah. the secondary market. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. On the secondary market, you know, some, some trim guys upgrading his chop saw. Uh, I would say that I would never buy anything less than a sliding double bevel chop saw. If Correct. You're you do don't. It. You don't want yep. ones that are just. Uh, if it doesn't slide, yeah. it limits you quite a bit on yes, availability of, of yeah, material. Like yeah. you crown got, molding and everything, you can't cut it. So I got my Dewalt. I think it's a twelve inch. Uh, yeah, double level sliding for like two fifty on yeah. marketplace. Yeah, and, yeah, which, and that, that might have been time. a really good find. I did drive it, touch away, get it, but, but yeah, I you had can to find them. But sometimes that's a, worth it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I had a Cobalt I mean, one from Lowe's forever. Yeah. Colton, what would you say would be your kind of essential tools, whether you're looking big power tools, medium power tools, or hand tools? Like what, what would you say are the yeah. must-haves? So first off, before whenever I've been asked this question before, like what do I need to buy? I want to get into this stuff. Um, first thing I always say is just buy the tools you need. Like picture one project and buy the tools you need for that project and then build from that. Like don't buy the tool before you need it kind of thing. And because uh, everyone's shop kind of evolves differently, right? And, yeah. um, but so for my shop, uh, as far as my big tools, um, I'll, I'm gonna go ahead and say a CNC, whether it, it's, uh, it doesn't need to be the X car pro or anything, but like you can get like a small, like 30 inch CNC, um, you know, basics, table saw, miter saw, planer, uh, I, I'm with you, Jess on the track saw. And then as far as the small stuff, um, I definitely say a, like, as far as your battery powered tools, like a uh, planer, a hand or no, not a planer. What's the root? A router, a hand router, um, a drill. And which if you you can't afford a drill and an impact at the same time, just get the drill. Cause I mean, it'll work for both. And then a, um, I'm going to add something to it. A, a Dremel. This like, uh, you know, like this like little. Depending on what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, well, that thing gets you out of so many binds, and like, say there's, you know, anytime there's something sketchy, whatever, there's you can get a little enough bit on that Dremel to get you out of some stuff, especially starting off, and um, or you put like a flap sander on it, and yeah, it, it, it helps out a lot. So I wish I had thought of router. Router's important. Yeah. So I would say out of, out of all the different tools there, uh, just going back with the knowledge that I have, I would say your table saw is your most versatile tool and your router Mm -hmm. is a very close second. You can do Mm -hmm. almost anything with a router. Yeah. Um, I agree with you, Jess, on the track saw that I think that's a great way to go. I kind of looked at it from a budget of like, most people can scrounge up a thousand dollars. And they're like, okay, I was able to get this money and my wife's not going to notice that this money is gone. What tools can I get for $1,000 or what should I get for $1,000 to make sure that everything is is uh, as good as it can get? And I kind of thought along those lines and, and my way of thinking was either this. If you're going to buy all new tools, you can get uh, a job site table saw, you can get a benchtop joiner, and... What was the other thing? 
you can get a bandsaw. I probably wouldn't do a bandsaw. Um, I would actually probably do um, mm. the router and uh, a good drill and driver set. Like those four things can pretty much take you across the board with everything you're going to need to do to start out. Yeah. To Jess's point, the pocket holes can take you a long way. If you're going more for the hand tool side slash what can I afford and I'm just starting out, I would say, strangely enough, getting a small benchtop, um, a benchtop bandsaw, you can at least rip stuff pretty long without having to do it by hand because that's really the cuts that suck. You can cross cut with some hand saws and it's not too much of a be- uh, a bear, but mm-hmm. ripping like a an eight foot long board sucks when you're doing it by hand. So having the bandsaw and then a good set of like hand planes. And I would probably say from there, some chisels, you can do an awful lot with those, but that's also kind of starting out with that. You have a thousand dollars. What are you going to get? You can get a basic set of chisels from Lowe's or home Depot. You can get the benchtop router for probably 250 bucks and probably two to three good hand planes for anywhere from 40 to 60 bucks a piece. And you're going to get some really good hand planes. And those tools, as well as a good Japanese handsaw, can take you pretty much everywhere you need to go to start out. So it depends, obviously, what you want to build. To Jess's point, if you're doing cabinetry or something larger, the pocket hole jig with the crosscut sled is absolutely the way to go. If you're going to do smaller stuff like cutting boards and charcuterie boards and that kind of stuff, I would probably go more along the lines of the hand tool route. But obviously, if you go Colton's route and you say, hey, with the CNC, you can literally do all the things and you don't need the saws. You can literally do everything with the CNC from leveling to carving to joining to like technically you can do it all. It's going to take you a while, but you can do it. So when I first started and I moved here, I had my dad had given me some tools and all I had was a Ryobi table saw, which was like one and a half horsepower. Right. I had a Ryobi. This is the blue one. I had a Ryobi chop saw. and It's uh, been a minute since Ryobi had blue tools. Uh, yeah, that's how long ago. Yeah. It, that's, his stuff was old. <laughs> he bought that to do floor in a house like a million years ago, and it just sat. And then I had a skill saw. I will say this. You'll learn that you can use those. Like, for instance, a table saw, you can join a board with a table saw. 100%. With a sacrificial, with a sacrificial yeah. fence quite well, actually. Mm-hmm. And you can said, you can join said, a board with a router. Mm-hmm. But, oh, that was the other thing. I had his old Porter cable router with one speed, and it had a quarter inch collet and a half inch collet. And router bits aren't too expensive. Man, the stuff that I made with that, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't get much more than that for a very long time. And uh, once I got the eight inch, I had an old grizzly joiner that we got. That was a big game changer. But before you can make a track saw with a scale saw, you can yep. just get you a piece of quarter inch, something that's that's sturdy and make yourself your own track that keeps it pretty straight and yep. use that in a couple clamps and do all kinds of things with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's it's just you just have to stop and think what you're going to be building and what your size limitations are of your shop. Yeah. Only so, thing I wanted to add to yours, Ross, was yeah. um, the uh, as far as the benchtop bandsaw. Yep. So 
that as far as my bandsaw setup, bandsaw is something I really want to upgrade soon. But right now I'm using the benchtop when I think it has like a nine inch throat on it. And like the, the biggest blade it can handle is like a three eighth inch blade. Okay. And I wouldn't trust ripping anything on that. Like I I've done a lot to try to dial it in and I, I'm sure there, there, there probably is more I can do, but I, I've, I've put a lot of effort into getting it straight and I only use that for very rough cuts. Yeah, it's, and, it's uh, more for rough cutting. Like you're not going to do fine precision ripping with it, but it's okay. a lot easier to be like, hey, I'm going to be an eighth of an inch off uh, if I rip it at this point. And it can have a little bit of meandering and you can come back with a hand plane if you're able to clamp the, the board somewhere and make it perfectly square. Mm, I mean, good. you can you yeah. can go to Harbor Freight and spend $700 and get basically all the tools you're going to need. Is, this is true. So it depends. And and I will also say, take a look the way Colton did. And I did this at first as well. Take a look at the used marketplace because there are huge opportunities to get an unbelievable tool for much less money than you would for like even something that's a smaller tool that's new. I was able to get, um, it was an older uh, jet table saw back when jet was a blue tool company. Uh, I had a jet table saw that I got for like 250 bucks, but that was still cheaper than getting the DeWalt job site table saw. And it came with right. more accessories and I was able to do more. Cast it was, iron it top. was, yeah. yeah, it was a cast yeah. iron top. So take a look at some of those, those kind of opportunities because there's definitely some great finds you can uh, find out there. Take a look. If you're looking for more of the hand tools or just beginner power tools, Take a look at garage sales. Take a look at antique sales. Take a look at some of the, you know, swap meets in your area or pawn shops are strangely a really good place to find power tools that somebody who had a, uh, you know, that needed some cash dropped off a tool and never came back. Yeah. So. Hey, I got, I got something to add to that too. As a nugget, uh, if you have a little bit of time to wait until you have this tool, uh, you can set up notifications to where, like, if anything comes in, like, that matches whatever specs you put on, like, your title of it and, like, category, it'll get send you a no- notification. And check that every morning because, you know, like, planers, I, they're probably still pretty hot, but they were really hot on, like, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, and uh, talking about, like, the 13-and-a-half-inch, like, DeWalt planers. Yeah, right? which is an unbelievable and, uh, planer until you can afford, like, a larger one, like a – at least 16 yeah. to 20 inch that DeWalt one is a workhorse. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Is. It really oh, it, is. It's a beast. And, um, but yeah, you, you set up your notifications and like check it every morning. And if you're the first one in line and your day is flexible enough, be like, all right, I'm going to meet you tonight or whatever. Or uh, here's a, here's, here's a, I'll, I'll Venmo you half of it. And then I'll see you Saturday. You know, if you yep. trust them enough and you yeah. got to tell if like the pictures are sketchy or whatever, but, um, yeah, I, that, little uh DeWalt planer I got I got that way for I think like 200 250 bucks something like that nice um, about about the same as the miter saw and uh, yeah I said to threw some new blades on it and it's it's been good as new since but, nice yeah. so the you one other sh- question you can get Go a helix for those plater those blades too you can get a helix um, the helical head, you can, yeah, for just about any planer, the Dewalt ones, even the yep. rigid one, and um, it drastically and upgrades. Oh, it drastically it's, 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 upgrades, it's, and and your wood chips and everything suck up better and everything. 
So right, if you so can get one cheap enough. Let's debate that. All right. So uh, there's no debating. Uh, but go ahead. I, I, just got, I just got the three <laughs> blades on there right now, right? Yep. Yeah. And it does pretty dang good. You know, it has like it's like um oh high pass setting, low pass. Yep. Um mm-hmm. you know, where it one of them's just for removing material and one's your finish pass. Yep. Um and I don't know how it could get any better. I can oh. I can I can explain how, it. how could it get better with the Shelix whatever head? I can I can explain it. It's so simple because I what what I had is I had this oak and it was like it's slapping it, baby. Like, let's say you got, how wide's your planer? 12 inches, right? 13. 13 and a half. 13 and a half. Yeah, so 13. So say you put a 12-inch board in there. That's 12 inches of blade making contact at one time. Each revel- mm-hmm. each time the net, was there two or three blades, three blades. on it? There's three. 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 Yeah. So that's, a fu- it's like slapping that wood. It's just slapping it. And especially if it's soft, it's almost like trying to cut a piece of wood, cut, cut a piece of foam with a steak knife, right? Have you ever tried to cut a piece of foam with a knife? It kind of gives a little bit before it wants to cut. So now I want you to think about how your saw blade on your table saw works. It's one little tooth, one little tiny point that it's removing that little bit, but it does it very fast and has all these teeth that are taking out little bits at a time. And Mm -hmm. so basically if you, if you imagine it, it's like, it's like trying to take a hand plane that's 12 inches wide and plane something versus taking a hand plane that is, I don't know, what how wide are they? Three-eighths of an inch wide, the teeth on about, it? Uh, about half inch. Yeah, half Quarter inch. inch half car- inch the carbide tips. Yep. It's taking little bits at a time. Not to mention the fact that your dust collection, if you're, let's say you got nice brand new blades on your DeWalt, you have 12 inch long shavings. This has little tiny bits so it won't get I, clogged up. When I'm, doing certain, when I'm doing certain woods, it will clog up. My dust collection will clog up. Yeah, the yeah, other yeah, thing yeah, that you will notice inch, yeah. on a safety perspective, number one, the volume comes down. The decibel level of the cutting head comes down by like yeah. 10 to 15 decibels with it's the helical head exponentially quieter. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that. that. I didn't know that. And then on yeah. top of it, it comes out to where you almost don't need to sand it. It literally yeah. comes out it's like glass. Yeah, like 220 grit, previously sanded straight out of the planer. It is right. unbelievable. Well, maybe my blades just aren't dull yet, and that does make sense with the slapping too. Yes, like well, here's um, the thing: is with a quarter getting- inch, with a with a with a with a with a spiral planer, aside from the dust collection issue, even one with lower horsepower, you can take near a quarter of an inch off at a time. And it's going to be a lot less strain on that motor. You try to take a quarter inch off with that Dewalt with that thing, and it's—I mean—it's struggling, right? Because it has the friction of a twelve-inch. Yeah, of, I wouldn't. Do, I wouldn't do a full quarter inch. Oh my god! That, well, I do a quarter inch all the time. I, they, I, I, might, I might do an eighth inch if I'm. I had hurry. the rigid. I had the rigid planer, the junky rigid planer, and had the regular blades on it, and it was a nightmare. It would just it, the rubbers were. We're skipping because it wouldn't feed it in no matter how little I took off, especially on something really hard with knots. Not to mention you were in a whole blade. If you get a knot that puts a dink in that blade as opposed to just one one tooth, which yeah. is, also has you, four sides on it. So or you end up with a, a, 
a nail or a bullet. Right. You know, like in a, in a tree. You hit, yeah. And all of a sudden you have three of them at the same spot. And then when your board comes through, you have a little raised section right there. Yeah. You got like streaks. Whereas on the carbide tips on the helical, if it's chipped at one tooth, you literally rotate that one tooth and you have a brand mm-hmm. new cutting head. You get four times the cutting length or the length of that blade, the use of that blade from each helical carbide head. And it costs like a dollar fifty to replace each head. Yeah, each right. tip, the tips are cheaper. The other thing is, is that I know from experience, it it I could take off so much more wood at a time, so much better, so much faster. The rubber's never screwed up again. They stay sharper much, much longer because they're not high speed steel. You know, they're carbide. It's just there's there's to me it was one of those things. I guess because the machining is pretty precise on it. Like, why hasn't it always been that way? Because it it just works so much better. Because it's cheaper uh, to do it the other way. Yeah, it's yeah, way easier it, to make one, one blade than. Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. That. I guess that's true. But, to, but anyway, uh, so take that's, a look, that's my uh, Jay Bates actually did a really really good video talking about that the, on your uh, particular um, planer upgrading yeah. from the straight blade to the helical head blade and the 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 changes that it was. So take a look at his video. I'll try and send you a link later. But yeah. if if you have any interest, anybody who's listening, um, it, it is, I will say, as somebody who has done the upgrade both on my DeWalt planer and then currently on my Shopbox planer, the helical heads make all the difference in the world. Hands down. And four. All right. So from this debate, y'all, y'all have made some very good points. I will. <laughs> I will. Um, it, it's on my upgrade list now. It's it was expensive, not, though. I mean, it costs as much as the planer for the blade. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's not on my immediately have to get. Like, I'd rather. Also, I don't even have a dang joiner yet. I, I've been able to sneak by all this time without one. But different story on that. It's mostly just because the right deal hasn't fell into my hands. And for the cornhole boards, I don't really need it. No. Which has been our main thing for the last year. But um, I will be upgrading to the she- the. You said Shelix is the brand? Well, it's Helical. Shelix is a brand. It's a Helix. Yeah, Shelix. That's the one I always see. I, I, I see it. I've seen it a lot, you know, like on the Facebook stuff. But, um, Spiral, Helical, all kind of different yeah. things. Like yeah. that. So, I'll, I'll be upgrading to that eventually, but it's when I have some loose cash, not so quite immediate cash. On this question, or to delve a little bit deeper, final question that came from my dad. Is there a tool that you guys have gotten in the last year or plus that has been the biggest game changer in your shop. What would you recommend? You go first, Colton. A recent tool, dude. Um, when I finally delved into the hand tools and, uh, you know, I, I've always had chisels, right. And I've slowly gotten better at those. But when I got that first, that bench plane, freaking eight, dude, that, that thing was a game changer. Um, mm-hmm. On things where normally I would like sketch it out and kind of like try to sand it, you know, or like try to where you put your orbital at an angle and try to get it in, you know, like making things meet up. I replaced that with using the hand plane or the the bench plane. And, um, you know, I recently upgraded to the block plane. Yeah. Yeah. Block block plane. And I'm still dialing it in. I was figuring that with the low angle that it would, uh, be better at this point, but it's a, I think I might actually have to like put my pride aside and go research it a little bit on how to (laughs) 
watch some videos on these things. Um, cause it's not obvious how it's supposed to work at this point, which I mean, I've got to work, but I figured it would take less off than the, the hard angle bench plane. Right. But I it can depends get how you trips. set it up. So you also have to remember the bench plane is supposed to be taking thinner strips because you are like leveling everything. Whereas the block plane is more for just chamfering edges and taking off little right. high spots. You're doing different mm-hmm. things with those planes. Oh, so that's normally what I see it used for, but I was, okay. So I was trying to take a hand plane, use it for a bench plane. I was trying uh, to replace. Okay. I, now that you say that, that makes a lot more sense. Okay. <laughs> like I said, I, I need to do some more research on this, but, but okay. yeah, getting into the, the hand planers like that was a big deal for me. That was cool. Awesome. How about you, Jess? Oh, I mean, hands down two things, the track saw, and we, I mean, we just, we bought the Makita battery power track saw and I bought all three tracks, especially when we were, I was at those houses installing cabinets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, we needed to trim something at a taper, you know, like a wall was at a square or something and where was trimming like a, a side panel. And it's like, it's too easy. Or like we were doing, we were trimming doors down, right. To fit these mm-hmm. old doors to fit in the, in the hole. And inside the jam and it was like you know it was just so perfect and so straight and so easy and effortless and the saw stops right away you know it's got an auto brake on it so mm-hmm. it's really safe uh Is the battery the, the makita one yeah and they use the same track as the festival one too and Correct. then and then the other thing is the is the the domino i i know it's expensive i know it's expensive but to me if you figure you've got to make 10 pieces of furniture and you are going to do it the traditional way or you were going to use pocket screws or something like that and you can charge more for, you know, floating mortise and tenon type joinery. Um, soon as you use it just a few times, you're like, oh, I get how this works now. And you, you're like, your brain just goes like, man, I could do this now. I could do this now. And it would be cost effective or easy. It's just it's just one of the greatest the greatest tools, but I mean, you got to buy the vacuum, you got to buy the thing, you got to buy dominoes, you got to buy the bits. I mean, you're close to three grand by the time you're done buying all the little accessories. You know, if you're just going to use one type of domino, you know, for a while, then that's fine. But you do have to have at least the small vacuum on it. Correct. So, but yeah, yeah. The domino and a track and any track saw, I saw rigid's making a track saw now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they are, two of the most important things, whether you're out of the shop or in the shop uh, for a million different reasons, a million different reasons. Yeah. So strangely enough, I would, I would echo your sentiment about the domino that has been unbelievable to me, but to make sure that I give a different opinion just for the argument's sake here, I would actually say it is the combination of my Merca sander as well as the Festool vacuum. Now, the reason for that is, first and foremost, the Festool vacuum that I have is a self-cleaning filter HEPA vacuum. And the Merca sander, I spent a lot of years just with your standard palm sanders or random orbital sanders. I even got into some of the pneumatic sanders. And I actually met 
not this past weekend, but the weekend prior, there's a uh, furniture repairman, antique furniture repairman who's getting out of the business after 40 something years around me. And I was going to look at his shop and the guy couldn't finish three sentences without hacking up a lung. And I was like, are you okay, man? He was like, yeah, it's just all the years of, you know, tons of sanding and never wearing a mask. And he's like, you know, you start sanding with these pneumatic sanders and like dust is just everywhere and it covers your entire shop. And I thought about the few times where I've had to go back to a palm sander and how much dust just got everywhere. Super fine dust. And that's the stuff that's the killer. Having the dustless sander, the Merca, has allowed me... Number first and foremost wise safety. There is no need for a mask because the dust is sucked up from the piece before it ever comes out into the atmosphere. Like it, it just doesn't happen. And I have air filters all over the place. And if I'm sanding with the Merca, I don't need to really have them on because it's just moving air around uh, as far as the filters. Number two, efficiency. I've been able to literally go into restaurants after they close at like 10 o'clock at night, sand yeah. down 15 to 20 tables, restain them, lacquer all the tables two to three times. And the, the restaurant is able to open up the next day, ready for work at like 10 a.m. There is zero dust anywhere in the kitchen. There's zero dust anywhere in the restaurant. It is still food safe as far as the preparation and I'm able to operate my business in another business and not affect the way that they operate their business, which is well, absolutely a big part of that. Sorry. A, a big part of that was the, the Fez tool shop vac though, paired to it. Yes. And, and the combination of like the, the correct, um, dust flow or airflow from the tool, you have to have good dust collection going to the dustless sander, but like that sander, mm-hmm. I hate to say it has been one of the, the combination of the two has probably been the biggest game changer in my, my tools arsenal. Hey, you know what? So we talked about, um, next time we're all going to be together, right? It was a question yeah. on the last podcast, right? So we should, next time we are going to be together, mm-hmm. like you could probably sneak your Merca into your, uh, carry on bag, right? Flying kind of whatever. Yeah. Um, I'll try to fit, my Fez tool like arm of a Rotex in there. And um we should do them side by side. That'd be cool. We should. We should. That sounds That'd good. I'm fun. here for it. Yeah. Well I've been using DeWalt Sanders in the shop and it is a cloud in there the whole day. And mm-hmm. uh we have I told you about the I think it's in a drawer somewhere. And the the unbelievable amount of dust, and we have the air conditioner on, and so that filter, I told you we got the changeable filter, so we wash out. I mean, a half a day is all you get, and it gets sucked into that thing. So that, that'll, you, be, that'll be the next thing. The well, when we talked about, when we started this shop, we talked about it, and we got burned on a deal trying to buy one. Some guy stole our money, and so it was a scam. And so, uh, you know, we just never revisited it. And right now we need some, we need to sell some stuff and get some more income coming in before we, we do that. I have to, I have to. Did the original house that you, you guys like kind of flipped, is it ready? Did it ever sell? Nope. Not yet. 
It's had a lot okay. of showings, a couple people back out. It's 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 slower now, you know. Yeah. It's it's a higher Yeah, the market is slower so for sure. Expensive. Yeah, yeah, you just had a hurricane too, so I mean, yeah. Oh, trust me, as soon as it sells, you'll know cuz I'll be talking okay. CNCs. <laughs> oh, dude. So, let's, I can't, I can't let's, wait to do all that. That'll be fun. Yeah, that's going to be fun. But let's uh I also Go ahead. I got some of the embarrassing So, in our first round from the the first question that we all answered, none of us said an orbital sander. Well, did we? Did, wait, yeah. wait, unless I missed it, did y'all say a no, sander? Did you say a sander? No. If you followed up on the other parts of the discussion, if you were to get a helical head joint or planer, you wouldn't yeah, you need, would need the it. orbital sander. Yeah, that's right. Or no, you if you properly sharpen your hand planes, you won't need an orbital sander. <laughs> Have you ever done a project where you didn't use your sander on it? No. Yes. Never. Okay. okay. I have not. All right. Well, yeah, for me, no. Okay. Yeah, I have. It's all about the hand planes or card scrapers. Oh, uh, yeah, card scraper, yeah. That's true. Oh, you know what? I'm so ashamed. I I have those card scrapers we got from DFM Tools. Yeah, right? they're incredible. I, I, I have a set and I I even got the set where it had like, you know, you have like your one just like square card. You yep. got some that are like made for juice grooves, like where mm-hmm. you like curves and stuff and contour scrapers, yeah. I have yet to use it, man. Oh, like not that I haven't needed to use it. I've because I know I need to sharpen it first. I just haven't sharpened it to where I can. So the, the ones they keep, actually I keep come with, I have it. They come with a decent little edge on them, but it's easy to sharpen them. And in fact, if you go back to like two videos yeah, ago is. that I posted on my Instagram, one of them Let's was say, setting when up. You had a video. Yeah, yeah. So I did one a couple days ago of like setting up an antique cabinet scraper. Um, and it's literally the same process if you're using the card scraper. All you need is a file and the burnishing tool, and that's it. Yeah, I I uh, I tell you where. Shout out to DFM Tools. So I've been making all these different little pieces of mid-century stuff. We pretty much get each piece sanded before it's glued together. But then once it's glued together, you've got these little cracks and corners, and you cannot get that glue out when it's wet. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, and you can't sand in that corner very well. Like if you use an electric sander, you wind up bumping it and putting a cut in it. But the other day I was like, why don't we try these card scrapers? And it, like, I just take it in the corner and just, it just scrapes the glue out like two stripes. And then I go back the other way get with the grain and it's smooth and perfect. And it saved me hours of dinking Here's around a- with a little piece of sandpaper. Here is a fun. I never even thought about it for glue removal. So it's great for that. But if you want to go even faster, plastic straws like McDonald's straws. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You said to scrape it out. Yeah, that is true. Yes. If you that. literally, um, if if you were to, if the glue is just squeezing out of a piece, right. you can right. squeeze the straw parallel to the joint and just get an yeah. edge in there and scrape all of it out and it collects in the straw and then you pick it up and throw out the straw. Oh. Uh. I'll have to try that. The sea turtles aren't going to love me you. About that. Okay. You know what? Well, we'll use um, wax mostly. I'm adding go. straws to my Amazon cart tonight. There you go. That's, yeah, a, good That's a good one. Yeah. Straws are a good one. So, okay. What uh, do we got next? So actually, that was going to be my thing. Can each of us keep it to 10 minutes? What's going on in the shop? And then we get into <laughs> everything else. No problems. It just cut me off at 10 minutes. All right. Okay. <laughs> just uh, cut me off. I can, I, I can keep yeah. mine to, to less than 10 minutes. All right. So, it off. 
Um, the columns are done. Nice. The ones that we were making for the column wraps. It was very stressful. Um, I wish that what I could go What method did you back. end up going with? Uh, I did pocket screws and glued it. I did pocket screws and glued it and then rabbited it out the back um, and put – I wish that I would use a quarter-inch panel, but we were worried that they were going to be too flimsy, so we used half-inch panels. But then that gave me less of a reveal on front, and I really wish that I would have done uh, just a quarter-inch panel in the back of it to give it like a bigger – Fatter reveal on the front side, but yeah, uh, I bought a beading bit. We beaded the front. I flipped it over, and it just so happened that the bearing for the rabbiting bit hit right on that bead, perfect. Ooh. So we rabbited out. We rabbited out the backs really fast. It made a horrible mess in there. Um, ran them all through the drum sander. So here's here's one thing that did get kind of messed up. So we talked about how I was going to cut those forty fives, right, Ross? Yep. So we talked about like. If I could go back, I know how I would do it. Okay. Um, just based on the wood being a little twisted in some places. Mm-hmm. But uh, what what wound up happening that was a problem? So everything went fine. We pre-cut the 45s. I set up all these feather boards, which I'd been meaning to make this little thing for our, for my table saw anyway. I made all these jigs for feather boards, which is great. And it held the boards perfect. I got the saw exactly 45. I shoved them through there, and they were literally perfect 45-degree angles on everything. It was absolutely perfect. Nice. On just a regular old table saw. You know, the key is just keeping it down and tight, and you just can't do that when there's – you just can't do it by hand, right? you got to have something to help you. So you've got the Jessam things. You've got the, <laughs> you've got the Jessam deal, um, which is kind of the same theory, that, yep. but just a better better version of what I've got. Um so I just kind of became the feed roller and I pushed it through and the feather boards held it all down and it worked great. Awesome. Wait, Ross, you have a feeder? Uh, no, no. So I have these, Jessam. there are these uh, attachments that I have made by Jessam tool that sit on my fence of my uh, table saw and they literally come down and you can adjust them height wise to sit on the piece of, of material and it holds it down and also yeah. angles it, pushes it into the fence. So I can literally. That's like fantastic. Rollers. So, it, yeah. so it's, it's rollers kind of angled towards the fence? Yeah. yeah. Are oh, they nice. on springs? Are they spring loaded? Uh, no. Okay, uh, so yes. I mean, yes and no. Like they have some a little bit. Okay. Yeah. There's a little bit so, of give to them, but like I can actually, maybe it's the um, by myself, I can pick up an entire four by eight sheet of three quarter inch plywood and run strips through the table saw. And know that it's perfectly aligned to the fence because I have these hold downs. Yeah, it's just like oh. an extra set of hands. So yeah. anyway, uh, uh, I cut all the things. I, we pocket screwed them together, let the glue dry. The next day we came in, scraped a little bit, ran them all through the drum sander. Now this is, and in my head, I'm thinking the drum sander is going to take all the wood off of these evenly. So that's not going to affect my miters on my corners. Mm. Well, is that what happened? Drum sanders so, are tricky, man. So it is and it isn't. So on 90% of them, it did fine. But on two of them, the drum sander, you know how like a planer pushes down really hard yeah. on a board? It keeps it tight to the thing. Well, the drum sander doesn't. Uh, even with the roll, rubber rollers, it doesn't hold it down as tight as a planer does. And so there was a little like twist on a couple of them. 
Mm-hmm. Well, as it went through, the twist stayed up. And Come so on, it, sand, it sanded off that top corner more than it's like if, if you were able to have looked yeah. in underneath, it wouldn't have been tight to the belt. It was so doing it the twist. Took it a little too much <laughs> off. So that blew my whole plan to use in the, the fest. I got the fest tool all set up to do miters, right? That was freaking yeah. awesome and so simple. I'm going to use that in the future. But it, it threw that all out because the fest tool lines up the back of the miter, not the front. Correct. And I, and I needed the front of my miter slant. So I thought and I said, well, I'm just going to do it the old school way. So I laid them on the table face down, right? So that the miters and I, and I, um, I got all the miters lined up so that I was looking at the chamfer side of it, right? And you could see the 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 long end on the table, and they were touching. There's very little gappage on any of it. And I clamped them together, all three pieces, because it was three, you know, three pieces that I was putting together. Clamped them together on either end so that we could pick it up and flip them the whole thing over. Mm-hmm. And then I put tape. I put blue tape on all the joints. Mm-hmm. And then... And then, um, so you did like Missy Elliott, you, you bound it, flip it and reverse it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We flipped it, we flipped it over and, um, flipped it back over again and, uh, glued the snot out of it, folded it up and then kind of got a square and got it square. And then I put a little, like a, like a little sacrificial board on the back, just tack nailed into it to hold them up square. Nice. And, uh, prayed until the next morning. <laughs> and then we came back the next morning and I pulled the tape off and those miters were 95% there, 95%. It was fantastic. Right. So, um, I saw a couple areas when we were, had taped them. So I put like some light clamping pressure on them to kind of squeeze everything tight and pulled it off, sanded them a little Bondo and a couple spots where we had some of those bad boards, but it all lined up great, sanded them and then sprayed them. And he came and got them. It was great. So, yeah. So now that's done. We're back to working on the side tables. Uh, my guy that's doing storm work is still gone. So it's just me and Dave in the shop. We talked to some people today about doing some stuff for our website and keywords and things like that. And we're meeting with somebody else tomorrow. So we're just trying to find somebody to take the reins. I think I'm going to talk to somebody on Fiverr to maybe do a couple things for me because we're yeah. having problems with our logos on Google not accepting them because they have to look a certain way. Yeah. So maybe somebody with some experience with that would help. And, uh, the only other thing is, is we're getting the trailers done and the Ambrose designed one for his construction company. I designed all that looks great. Price is a lot more than I thought it was going to be. And then they came out with my price for my trailer and it was almost $4,000. And when I had my handyman stickers put on it, it was 900 bucks from the same company. But because of the way that I designed it, because vinyl has gone up, because they have to spend $600 to remove the old stickers and the, the size of the, the logo. Old sticker? I could, but I don't know if it's worth $600 to us. Because ah. number one, I've never done it. Number ah. two, we don't have time to do it. And, okay. yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. So, yes, I could. If, if, if that was make or break us, then yeah, I'd go over there on a weekend and screw around with it. Okay. But yeah. um, uh, I'm with you. That, that could be something you problematic. Like, I wish I would have just spent 600 bucks. Exactly. So, I, so, I could definitely see that being something like that. Like where you get nitty gritty down with a razor blade. 
the whole yeah. way. Yeah. And you can't use a razor blade because it's over painted surface. So then it's you got to use a heat gun. Anyway, so oh. it's it is it is. Um, so we talked about it today, and I said, you know, we're having to change the logo for Google. And if I'm changing on Google, then I'm going to change it on our social media. And for brand consistency, even though we've got a sign on the front of the building, like let let it all be the same logo for God's sakes. So mm-hmm. why don't we just wait on my trailer, get rid of some of the bullet points, shrink down the logo a little bit, and bring the cost down. So I think we, that's kind of what we decided on. So anyway, that's my week. Nice. How about you, Golden? There you go. Man, so uh, the stuff with the House of Hearts we talked with last week, right? Um, about like the uh, the wedding arches. Oh, and, yeah. And like the, uh, the boards that um, kind of made like a, a V- yeah, what do you call that like facing a towards you, a miter facing towards you. Um, I, I realized um, after talking to my dad about it that he burl he, he was going burl. Yeah, he he called me the other day. Uh, he was confused about how it came out on the podcast last week, mm. so that's why I was trying to give some more details on it this week. But um, yeah, basically you stand up a, a four by eight piece of plywood. Uh, Vertically, where it's eight foot tall, right? And you bend it around to make a V, right? Through the center. Hope that clears up any confusion on that. But <laughs> they, 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 they turned out really well. So what they ended up doing on that to fix that was to, um, they ended up using piano joints on it. Yeah. And yeah. they um, made it where the um, the acute end of the, the miter touched earlier than the um, obtuse end would, right? Yeah, Look at you I saw them that. bring your geometry. Very so, good. I'm doing, I don't know if that's I'm, right, but it sounds good. Doing my, my forking best here. All right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and they did like that. And then they attached the, uh, the, mm, the piano joints um, with it like that. And so it put extra pressure right there. And then I showed them a thing where uh, you take like a, a harder piece of wood and you run it, you like, you know, press it into that joint and like run it up and down on it. You to burnish like, it. You know, where it's real sharp and you, mm-hmm. yeah, you burnish. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's, that's the, the fancy way to say that. Yes. <laughs> you burnish it. Yeah. And, um, it went great. And they actually, um, so they, I think they set up a day ahead for this venue. Right. And this mm-hmm. is one of those weddings where it's, it's like a six figure wedding. Right. And real fancy. Oh, dang it. Um, and <laughs> real fancy stuff. And, oh, they were able to actually put like a little strip of paint on it beforehand. And yeah, it went, went really well. It looked but good. I it saw did. it online. It looked it, really it, good. I was so impressed when they sent me this. And then the, the arches turned out amazing. Um, were they golden? So was so did you do uh, no, an epoxy? No, I, I, I thought I saw a picture of it. They were like you did. pink and they were like pink, yellow. Uh, they were all like off colors. They were like I pink, just, yellow. and I just didn't know if you but, were all excited about getting McDonald's. Like the golden arches were fantastic. Uh, yeah, me and Crystal did get some McDonald's yesterday, but that's a shameful moment. But yeah, Maybe you ahead. explain this, but is it, it? did you do those letters with your CNC and put epoxy in it or they put acrylic in it? That was all them. So they oh. they have some very serious uh, 
their laser makes mine laser look like a little pencil, man. And and theirs is they have freaking sharks with freaking laser beams on them. Yes, they got they got they got freaking jaws in there with laser beams on it. And uh, they they have a real laser setup, and they're really good at running it because you can always tell. Like, uh, so I, I love working with these girls, right? They're they're really good. And side note, I love to have them on the podcast one day. Like they they do a handful of woodworking. They're I wouldn't call them woodworkers. But they would would love to. I don't know. I love to have them on here, pick their brains. Okay. Um, successful small business. Side note. But yeah, Noted. so they have that. They have a bunch of acrylic cutters. So they all of the the words and things that was done with acrylic, like an acrylic stick on. And so like after they're, they're trying to reuse these stands and arches that I made them, and um, so they they repaint it after every time. Because, you know, most weddings have a, a color theme, right? Mm-hmm, and right. so it also helps with teardown. You don't have to worry about scratching the paint. Like, as long as you don't break the hinges, you throw it back in the trailer and it, it's ready for next time. And, um, yeah, and you just have to peel off all the acrylic, which that is a pain in the butt. But I don't know. It's really cool. It's really cool working with people who have, like, a similar kind of, hustle mindset right and i know y'all too get this as well but um what like it was like week of and they're like all right so we we committed to this thing we have a week to do it um honestly it's a month's worth of work but we think you can help us with it like let's tackle this right and um they're like i don't care how long it takes whatever and i had them in my in my shop they were working with me in my shop one night last week until like 1 a.m., um, which isn't super late for, for me. But like that's for another business owner to be working that late on their business. It it, it was a good kind of common mindset. And uh, uh, Quick really follow-up. And uh, obviously, you also had Adam, who had guest starred on the podcast in your shop last week. Wait, was that? Oh. Yeah, that was Thursday. Oh, dude, Adam was awesome in the shop. Oh, I mean, I already forgot that that was last week. Man, sorry, especially after Labor Day weekend, man, a few days off, you forget everything. I felt like I'd already talked about him on here. But no, dude, Adam in the shop was awesome. Last week, last Thursday. So that was no wedding BS. That was all cornhole. And that's what she said. I I can't (laughs) wait till he gets back in there. (laughs) So that's what she said. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what he said. So, Adam being in the shop, he let's see. So we did do a decent amount of training, but I I have trained a handful of people on how to work on these boards, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not like a me being like an over manager kind of thing. There's just a lot of little bitty nitpicky things that add up on these boards, right? Mm-hmm. But with Adam, he's absolutely been the best as far as like, I just kind of like, we, we, we had a system, right? Where I would show him on one board, right? Where I did it, the yeah. process, or even if I did even a quarter of process and then, and then let him would, do that. Then he, I would let him do that on another board and I wouldn't even look at it. I would go over to the CNC and work on something else and whatever. And it worked out very well. 
and he's very motivated to to come back. And I, I'm I'm excited to have him back. And, and Did you pound out like when, five or six sets of boards when he was there. No, no, no. We finished one set out. We only I mean, got but you said done. normally it'd be like two to three in a whole week. So finishing a whole set in a day, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, that set, it was already uh, had the resin poured and it was already playing like through the uh, drum sander. Okay. And we were training somebody too. And yeah. So th- next there's time lot, we'll there's go better. Factors. Yes. What's the count? What's the count now? The old count. The old count. So I really wanted to have a hard count before this call. Um, Blue 42. <laughs> Blue 42. Yeah. No, I, I I don't have the hard count for you right now. Um, I, was hoping, yeah, I was hoping to have it for you, which uh, also I realized in my initial count, what I gave a few weeks ago was like 32. I didn't include all of my ones that were off the books too, which uh, we knocked out one of those last week and then um, – few more but yeah under the table woodworking with coal (laughs) (laughs) exactly no so i i don't have a hard count right now um yeah we should have one next week though we'll see we're gonna have one next week okay yeah hell yeah but yeah it went really good with um one thing i'm really excited about so he's looking at getting his dog kennel business up and going right yeah. i mentioned that on our he podcast did. yeah and i want to be an awesome asset for him for that hey like, you finish out those cornholes you got and you can be that asset yeah well here here's the thing too is like i'm getting closer like maybe three months away from being done with these cornhole boards or did be you done, finish all the done. ones that needed to be done by labor day did you get all those done in time yes awesome yes. Yeah, yeah, there's no one no one asking for refunds or whatever from that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We did get that. And um, yeah, if it wasn't for Adam, th- those wouldn't have been done either. That's awesome. But, but yeah, I made a dog kennel a long time ago. It was like s- 10, 11 feet long. It was, that's a big dog. Dogs. Really? It was three dogs, one giant dog and two smaller dogs. And I said, I would never make a dog crate again, ever. Because we used really? aluminum aluminum bars in it, and then the dogs wound up chewing up the wood and everything else on it. It was it was uh, a whole hot mess. It was a hot mess. And then and then and I then used re- reclaimed poplar for the top rainbow poplar. It was beautiful. And then I they moved to Hawaii and couldn't take it with them. The dogs moved to Hawaii. Yes, and the people too. Oh, and oh. and they couldn't get it shipped. And she wanted if I could take it apart, and I said no. I can't. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, it was, it was, a it was a problematic. And then I posted a picture of it online on my just build it. And she wrote and said, I didn't give you permission to put this picture on there. Anyway, oh, she, was, no. she was one of those people. I was like, well, I don't have to have your permission. Cause I took it with my camera. And then, then she put a bad review for nothing. Those so, are the best. Yes. That's yeah. rough. She still owes me $65 <laughs> for handyman stuff that I did for, uh, probably seven years ago. Sorry, Colton. That was a delayed on that one. So she's, no, just, she's just a real, you know what? So That's all right. It's all, it, it is all right. I don't care. She's in Hawaii now. So uh, who knows where she is now? <laughs> I don't think just where cares. she should be. I know where she should be. All right. All right. <laughs> so, note, <laughs> uh, so in my shop, yeah. I actually pounded out. Uh, I had a few things this week, ended up finishing up a bunch more stuff on the tool wall. And then I ended up also 
finishing up all these stands for these uh, display bowling pin trophies. Yes. Got all those cool. dialed in. Uh, and the, the company I built them for was super happy about it. So had a couple posts about that. But uh, I am actually now, I got an email today, strangely enough, from the realtor who hooked me up with uh, the, the lady who I built all the doors for. And she was like, hey, I got two other projects. And by the way, did you follow up about the doors? And I was like, mm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do that real soon. It's an soon. ongoing process. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but my plan was actually to start working on the Spalta Maple Table like this coming week. The issue is, as of next week, I am traveling every week for a month straight uh, for my day job. So Woo. I'm going to have some limited shop time. I'm going to have to be in there on weekends. And I got some crazy weekends coming up. So... Uh, I will be a little bit more limited when it comes to woodworking, but I'm hoping to be able to get some stuff done whenever I'm there, be a bit more productive. Where, where, so. where are you traveling to, man? Ooh, uh, let's see. Next week is San Francisco. The following week is oh, New York San City. You, you're going all the way to San Francisco? Yeah, I got San Francisco, then New York oh, City, dude. then Minneapolis, then uh, North Carolina, then St. Louis, then somewhere else. I forget where. A few other places. Jeez. So, hey, it, is, is it just like a ge- zero possibility that you'd ever go to Houston? Or? So, strangely enough, uh, we are the reason I'm traveling all over over the next few weeks is that um, technically we are doing sales blitzes around the country. So, we're bringing, we have 10 sales guys around the country. We're splitting it into two five person sales blitzes per week. And the week that I am in New York, there's going to be one running in Texas. But they were like, we need you in New York because we need a heavy hitter up there. So I was actually pulling to try and get the Texas, the Houston and Austin route if I could. But um, unfortunately, I will be in New York City. New York City. Well, that's pretty cool. No, no, I used to live there. It is not. But um, I've never been, man. uh, It is one of my least favorite places in the world, but I get to go there. So. Yay. I actually made a really fun connection this last week. Um, when I was leaving uh, Adam's house, so um, yeah, like so, me and Adam, we spent the whole day in the shop, and then that night we went country dancing. It was supposed together. To, was supposed That's to fun. <laughs> it was supposed to be like a double date, right? Uh, his girlfriend, my wife, and then um, hmm. wife ended up dropping out, but um, we still had a good time, and uh, I on my Uber ride home from that event, I rode with a New York guy and, uh, we talked a lot and, um, yeah, he, he was, well, he was bragging on New York saying how cool it was and stuff. And I was like, is it true how rude they are up there? Yes. Like, that's just, that's Absolutely. just all I yes, 100%. And, and he was like, yeah, maybe but then he, he was talking about like when he comes down to Texas, like all these people, he's like, well, what do you want from me? And it's like, I'm not, I don't, Texas guys are like, I don't want anything. Right. I'm just, Trying to be friendly. Yeah. 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 Um, So I got that going, but yeah, I got a a lot of whiskey shows coming up and a lot of stuff going on. So I will still be woodworking, but uh, I will be selling and slinging a lot of whiskey. So, uh, but yeah, that's what I got going on at the moment. So I got to figure out how to talk to this customer about the doors and figure out when I'm going to fix those. But that's a conversation for a different podcast again. So, with that in mind, I think that is a good opportunity for Mr. Jess to come out and lead us in a bit of a game show. Uh, are we ready for a Wood of the Week? Wow! Sure. 
So this week's Wood of the Week is sponsored, not sponsored, by uh, hashtag, Home not De- sponsored. Uh, hashtag not sponsored Home Depot. So letter um, E. So I was at uh, uh, the place that we're at now. We have the small kitchen, and I wanted to put a kitchen island in. Um, and we had a set of those wire shelves. So we, so I bought um, I bought another set of the wire shelves, cut them all to the right height. And then made a little top for it, butcher block top. Now, I could have made it out of wood we had at the shop. But to be honest with you, it was cheaper to just buy a butcher block top already made at Home Depot. And cut it down and, 100%. And it, and it looks like butcher block. You know, it's like finger jointed or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's an American company, which is pretty interesting, um, that makes them for them. And right, they right. had one out of birch. So, I made it out of birch. While I was there... They had different species, which I thought was pretty cool, right? So they had the birch. Uh, butcher blocks, you mean? Yeah. They okay. had birch. They had acacia. And then on this far one, I said, what is that? I said, is that walnut? And it was, they called it Saman, S-A-M-A-N, Saman. And I was like, well, I don't know what that is. I've never heard of, of that. So I thought that this week would be Saman, but I do know what Saman is, as it turns out. That's just one of its names. Another one of its names is Rain Tree, which I also never had heard of. But what most people know it of is Monkey Pod. Oh, Monkey Pod, Monkey Pod, uh, Rain Tree, Albizia Saman is the scientific name. Is that his Muslim name? I don't know. But no, it, man. They, they, I, I, they are, I think you're trying to say salmon. <laughs> it could be salmon. salmon. Yeah. It could be salmon wood. So uh, from Central and South America. Now, I will tell you that the, this is the first wood that I had in my shop back when I worked at that furniture place. We had gotten several uh, beautiful slabs of, of monkey pod and had uh, we were just making live edge tables out of them. And one, we had some crotch cut ones. So it was like this weird shape. So they were kind of hard to sell, but I, I figured out some fun ways to like flip them and do some other things. We put epoxy in them and all that. Flip it and reverse it again. That's right. And it flip it and reverse it. And it was very, um, people started to cough immediately when we were sanding it. Immediately people started coughing. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, in my head, something stupid like, is this like eucalyptus and there's like camphor in the wood? Like, what is going on? So, hold but on. You're working with your monkey. You're you're around the crotch and then people start coughing right away. They turn their head that, and cough around the crotch? Turn, that is correct. Huh. And so, hmm. um, I guess, from what I've read, it's not like any one of those ones that gives you cancer or anything, but it is known to cause respiratory distress. And I think that the reason is, is that... I think that the dust from monkey pod is finer than fine. I think it's some of the, it's like, Girl, you tal- tal- well, so, where's it on, on the, uh, the scale? So on Janko harness, it's not hard at all. It's, it's a pretty soft one, well, 900. So it, that's well below Oak. That's like poplars. I think even more than is so that it's a not hard. like identically like, like perpendicular or, uh, Symmetrical, whatever the word is, uh, to uh, how fine the dust is, how hard it is. 
I, I figured the I, harder I the wood, say, the finer the dust, right? No, I would say it has to do more with the fibers and how they shear off when you sand them. I think that's that would be Fair more enough. of a... Okay. So the thing with monkey well, pot is if you look at it from the end, like magnified like 10 times, it looks like straws. I mean, it's this... I would say if I was going to describe monkey pot, I would say it's spongy. It's getting close to cedar as spongy as it can be. Huh. Um, it's It's very pretty. It's... If you know, we worked recently with the black walnut and it's got that yellowish sapwood and it's just like really rich. That's mm-hmm. it's almost the same. I mean, it looks a lot, a lot alike. Um, Monkey Pod has a lot of really pretty figure. They do make guitars and like uh, banjos and mandolins and stuff out of Monkey Pod, um, True. probably for the residents. Uh, of the resonance that you get from them. Correct. But um, one thing that I did find out about monkey pod that was interesting that I did not know is that um, the, one of the reasons they call it rain tree is because at night in the rainforest, it rains a lot in these particular areas, but at night their leaves fold up like a prayer bush, like a prayer plant. You guys know about a prayer plant? Yeah. Like prayer plant, their leaves fold up at night. I, 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 I'm not sure about it. I've never heard of a prayer plant, but I've seen so, I've seen some leaves that like will fold up. Well, yeah, like, so this it's, like, it's up. like a long stem with like a bunch of little leaves stemming off of it, and they, they'll all fold up. Uh, no, the, no, the actual bigger leaf will fold in half, and really? so that allows the rain to pass through to the lower parts of the jungle at night, and then during the day, oh. the they they open back up. So that's one of the reasons why they call it a rain tree. Uh, it also looks a lot like koa wood which some people have seen like in mm-hmm. instruments and drum sets and stuff. So or if you go to Hawaii, it's, it's everywhere. Or if, or if you go to Hawaii, right? So that was the wood of the week. Rain like tree, it. monkey pod, or Dude. saman, as they call it at home. Do you have so any that blows my mind. So it's leaves will fold vertical. Do you think that's like, is it like, because there's no way it could consume too much water, right? Like it seems like that's almost like a selfless thing for that tree to do to like allow water to fall more to its depths. Like, I have no to, idea. To the lower I'm plants sh- and things that need I, the water nutrients below it. I'm sure that somebody would attribute it some part of it to its evolutionary way of growing or or yeah. something along those lines. But. Maybe there was like something that benefited like the the tree itself from what was benefiting below it by it getting more water, by it folding its leaves up. I don't know. Some people would say the leaves are praying. I like to think that the leaves want to be a taco. That's it. (laughs) Which would be much more, make much more sense. Totally. Okay. So I do not have any wood trivia. What I do have is this list. So I started thinking today, Barry, I love psychology. Right. I love anything to do with psychology and like how people think and why people are the way they are and why. I mean, we could be here people, for days just looking at us. Why the way people are leads them to do certain things. Like you have people that are billionaires, you have people that are poor, you have people that are drug addicts, you have all these different extreme, you know, versions of, mm-hmm. of, of people yeah. and what they can turn out to be. And I was wondering, and we'll leave some of this. Uh, for later, we'll put a poll on Beat Around the Bench uh, on Instagram of some of these questions. And if some of my personality traits led me to be a woodworker. Okay. Does do that make sense? Dr- do we need a drum roll? No. Okay. 
So I'm going to ask you guys about these because I asked. So, so, so it's the scientific as I could be about this. I asked my wife about things about me, but I didn't tell her what it was for. So she was just, you know, blabbermouth basically. And she hurt my feelings and we're not going to talk for a week, but (laughs) this, this, this is some interesting things that are very true about myself. And I'm wondering Honestly, just wondering if this is true about other people that like to do things with their hands or build things. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Fact number one. Fact number one. (laughs) I tell detailed stories. If I'm talking about something like that happened or whatever, I tell detailed stories. My wife's the complete opposite. She'll just tell me like one part of it. I'm like, well, what did they say? She goes, oh, I don't know. I don't know that. You know, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I tell very detailed stories. Like I was, you know, this was that, and this person's history is this. So now you understand that and like, and it goes on maybe too long, of course, like an old man, but do you tell detailed stories or do you tend to miss, miss parts of the story? So go ahead, Colton. <laughs> Sorry, Ross. <laughs> now I will say I have a lot of these, so we got to move pretty quick. Okay. Go ahead. Like, okay. I'll be quick. Um, I tell stories. I try to include as much detail as I need to, to keep the audience involved to uh, like as to who I'm talking to. Right. And like, so I try to gloss over like the real nitty gritty stuff. And I don't know. A good example is my brother, my brother and I, we think a lot of like, you know, we're very similar, but I, uh, yeah, I, I try to cut it shorter, I guess sometimes. I don't know. It just depends. You you tailor it to your audience. Yeah, like Colton so, so gets I'll, lost I'll in his some, own stories. I'll cut yeah, something short though if I think the audience is not grabbing it. Like like by the audience, I mean the people I'm talking to immediately in front of me. I got you. All right. What about you, Ross? Uh, it depends what the if I'm telling a story for comedic effect or for like truly trying to capture an audience. I dig in and show all the 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 background behind it. If I'm doing it for sales, I got it down to an elevator pitch and I'm going to hit you with all the facts like right away and leave you with nothing that you don't need. It's everything you need and nothing you don't. So you're basing it on your audience. Okay. All right. Yeah. So So, uh, here's a important thing to remember from that. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, We got to keep keep They'll They'll never remember how much. Where, like what you said exactly, but they'll remember how they felt at the end of it. Sorry. Go ahead. That's true. Okay. Uh, I talk along with that. I talk a lot about old memories. Like me and my dad, we used to do this. And I remember this one time we were working on this and we were doing that. Or, or I was driving in my car and this happened. And I tell a lot of old stories. I think a lot about older defining moments in my past. I guess if that makes sense. I always try and uh, I don't know if this is a Midwestern thing, but I try and make somebody more relatable or seem like I am more relatable to them by tying in a story from my personal uh, personality or my history that to me is similar to their story. Whether they think it's similar is different, uh, but it's my way of trying to connect with them. It humanizes you. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Fact number three. Now, I think this is very true. I have an an absurd attention to detail. Like, 
Like I don't look, then this comes interestingly enough. This is me telling a story that comes from doing stucco because doing stucco with my father, the hardest part of any plastering or stucco job is the outside angles, the inside angles, the detail parts of the home. And that's the hardest part to get. I can look at that and know the rest of it's fine. So I'm always looking at outside edges, lines, details, and see if they did that part right, then the rest of it's fine, right? Does that make sense? It's kind of like looking at a miter on somebody's baseboard and it looks like crap. You know, the rest of the house is probably crap. But if they've got some crown that's got some amazing trim work and it's perfect, they didn't skimp on the rest of the house, right? Yeah. So uh, those, I'm always looking at those details on Mm -hmm. everything. On cars, on everything. Colton, how about you you guys? So what's what's the question? Attention uh, attention to minute detail. Are you a detail-oriented guy or are you kind of a big-picture kind of guy? Oh, well, you give me – you let me get attention detail. Freaking A. I'll I'll spend 30 hours on a set of cornhole boards. Like, I'll make every edge perfect. Man, that's a big deal for me is just trying to back myself off of that. So – I'd say I gotcha. lean. I see. I lean more towards attention to detail, um, and also whenever I'm hiring somebody to work with me, I look to see if they have a, at least the knack to have attention to detail. That's a big deal for right. me. Know what to even look for. Yeah. I am extremely OCD in things that I am interested in. If I have no interest in it, I have zero OCD towards it. If I have any kind of inkling towards an interest of something, I dive so deep. That people are drowning. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. Okay, very good. Yeah, buddy. Fact number four. I want to know how everything works. Like, I, I if, like, like, for instance, um, Colton was talking the other day about you should buy a CNC, you have to put it together just so you know how it works. Cause if you can put it together, then you know better how it works and stuff like that. And I, I don't, I don't want when people come work for me to know. I told you to do this, go do this. I want you to know why you're doing it, what's happening. I want you to understand how it works. And like, I'd rather try to fix my car myself and break something than take it to somebody necessarily, because I, I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating to, to, to take it apart and see how this does that. And then I try to explain to somebody, oh, this does this and do that. And they're like, I, I'm not, I'm not there with you. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> so... I Did, literally you guys feel just on, on that note, I literally did like seven hours of car repair on my own vehicle this past Saturday, just because I enjoy doing it. And number one, I'm also super cheap, so I don't want to pay the mechanics to do it. They could have probably done it in like two hours, but yeah. it took me six or seven. But at the same token, I learned more about my vehicle and should anything else go wrong, I know how to fix it. Hell yeah. Okay, Colton's a yes on that one. Well, All right, uh, so th- fact number five. <laughs> uh, so this kind of goes along with uh, the minute detail, but perfectionism. Like from the website to like just a- a- every single thing. And we were talking to a guy today about a website. I was like, this here says this doesn't work on that. And he goes, it doesn't matter. Like it's not, it's not important. You don't, you don't need to worry about that right now. That's a whole different part of something. And I'm thinking in my head, yeah, but it needs to work. Like this needs to be perfect. Like, you know, like that's going to make a difference on who goes to the website or not. And it's not. So I'm definitely a perfectionist. I've been told that by many people, including my boss. Colton. I think, uh, I'm, I'm going to steer a little different than you here, Jess. Um, 
As far as is, the question is on perfectionism. Yes. Uh, I'm on perfectionism where it counts, but like if it's on like a under the board detail, like where it does, it's not going to affect anything structurally. It's not going to hurt anything down the line. It's just a, like a, a visual scab, but it's on the underside where no one is really looking. I'm okay with leaving it. Like, of course, in, down in my heart, I'd love to fix it if I had time and everything, but Overall, I'm okay with leaving it. So, Gotcha. What about you? My answer is on the back of my shirts. Do it right, whatever it takes. <laughs> so that that's a pretty good answer for that. Okay. Fact number six. Now, this is one that I have been... It's... Uh, this is seven. This is, this is seven. one <laughs> that uh, I have worked on so hard since I started doing this shop. Because I used to fall short with this a lot, and that is overcomplicating things for a small detail. So, in other words, I want this one little corner to have a three sixteenths here, and this to have a three eighths here. But I got to do all this other whoop de woo in order to make sure that that one spot lines up just perfect at the end. Which it really is. Somebody going to notice or not? I have no idea. I'll notice it, but in the overall big picture, is it doesn't matter. Uh, so yeah, I overcomplicate things for a small detail. If you ask my wife, uh, I absolutely overcomplicate things for what is a small detail. But to me, those details make the big difference in the end. That's the sign of quality. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say, yeah, likewise, like if someone were to look at me from like a third person point of view, I probably overcomplicate some parts, but I have my reasons for it. Um, but I would like to we think, think we think we have our reasons for it. In that's, your mind, we have our own reasons. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Whether they make sense to anybody else, it doesn't matter. But to us, they make sense. Uh, well, I, yeah, I, that's true. That's a fair point too, Jazz. Yeah. yeah. But okay, so here I, I, I like to think that I fact eight. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. That was seven. That was six. So seven. This is again. seven. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What are we on? Okay, yeah. so this is more in the psychology of things. I will straighten pictures on someone's wall, whether I'm at their house or business, if they're crooked. Hell no. No. I think I'll straighten someone else's window. Like, let them have like their you walk up, And it's like a little crooked, and like you're standing there, you just don't like, just give a little. No, I pointed out to them, but I'll literally look and be like, your picture's crooked. <laughs> And then they get real annoyed. <laughs> okay. It, uh, is it going to bother me if someone else's cr- picture is crooked? No. See, it, no. it bothers me. Okay. Uh, all right. That's it. All right. Ready? No, no, that's not it. That's the end of that one. <sighs> I got more. <laughs> Fact eight again. <laughs> I can't multitask. I cannot multitask. One thing at a time, all the way through till it's done, then the next thing. Do not, like, if you're talking to me while I'm texting, I can't do it. I can't talk while I play drums. I can't multitask. <laughs> it's very weird. It's a very, because I was ADD when I was a kid, so I learned to break things down into singular, smaller pieces and just do that one thing and focus on that. So now I'm hyper-focused on whatever it is uh, that I'm doing at the time. I'd like to say I'm better at multitasking than I am, but honestly, um, it's a struggle, man. So my wife's an amazing multitasker. If that's an amazing. answer, I guess. 
That's an answer. Just to give a drumming reference in the band that I'm currently in where we're playing an album start to finish, I literally play drums, read the lyrics, and sing at the same time while running sound. Okay, so then you're a good multitasker. All right. Uh, all right. Next and he writes one. down how many times I cuss while we're doing a podcast, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck no. I'm making I, dad jokes. All right. Uh, everything has to be done in a certain order. And if you don't do it in that order, then you're wrong. I'm okay with, like, fuck the order. Uh, oh, there's uh, number there four. Cursing. <laughs> Darn it. There's number five. Right, there, 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 there's four and five cusses. My bad. I'm oh, trying to God. not do that anymore. But Ross can't see his I, family because of you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Uh, orders and things like are meant to be broken. Uh, like, like if you can't keep it in a good order, like yeah, sure, do that. But if the, like something happens where you need to do it in a different different order, where it makes more sense in a certain situation, heck yeah, break the order. Okay. Uh, uh, all right. Go ahead, Ross. Uh, I flounder between the two of you. It depends on the task, but yeah, there's definitely I, I, times where it's like, why are you doing that now? Like, why would you go in? Like when my kid, this something dumb. I'm like, Hey buddy, it's time to go brush your teeth and get ready for bed. And he's like, Oh, okay. And so he literally drops everything he's got, whether it's snacks or his iPad or whatever, <laughs> and just walks away. And I'm like, no, that means you have to put stuff away. You have to put the food in the kitchen. You got to do this. Like there's an order of things. He's like, no. And he just walks away and it drives me up a wall because he's not following procedure. Yeah. Okay. We'll do, we'll do one more. Back 10. Back 10. We'll save the rest for next week. And if you guys can think of any, text me. Um, I visualize things in three dimensions, which is not, as it turns out, a lot of people cannot do. Like, I don't know if you've ever been with a customer, like, I just can't see it. Or, you know, like you can draw it out and explain it to them, show them what a profile a router is going to cut, and they can't see what it's going to look like even close to the final product or in their house, right? They need someone like you, Ross, to like give it to them in SketchUp or, or something like that, where I can kind of – I have always been since I was a kid, like I wanted to make a bicycle ramp, and I made one, and I just could visualize what I was going to do and draw a little sketch on a piece of paper of what was in my head and then work it out and go buy the stuff and build it. And a lot of people can't do that, um, but I think most woodworkers can. At least I feel like they should. Yeah. How about you, Colton? Are you agreeing? I'm 4D, baby. 4D? You're 4D? Oh, gosh. <laughs> he gets the smell yeah, of everything, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, smell colors. <laughs> so I, I agree with that. I can typically envision what something is going to look like. Uh, one exaggeration of that, and I, this is more on the music side, when I've gone into the studio to record vocals to different albums, I, I love doing backing vocals, and I can visualize... Uh, to me, it looks like a shelf of like, where have we put layers of different vocals? And, oh, I haven't hit that high shelf or I hit the high one and I hit the low one and I need two middle shelves and I visualize where that has to go. And I I can't even like tell you what those harmony lines are outside of singing along. But if I visualize it like that, I hit all of them perfectly first take. So, hmm. 
yeah, oh, I yeah. can I can see like how I'm going to make something in my head and how this joint's going to look and the process yeah. up until it and stuff. So, yeah, I think that's a woodworker thing in general. Yeah, so. the creative All right, well, type. There's, there's the first 10, and we'll do some more next week. Who damn. Can't wait. All right. <laughs> you uh, liked it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We ready to jump into a little bit of whiskey? What? Whiskey? So The whiskey of the week. All right. So whoa, last week, brother. Whoa. <laughs> last week yeah. we dove into a classic kind of the Holy Grail of, or the entry point for the chase of the Holy Grail for a lot of the whiskey connoisseurs out there, Buffalo Trace. Mm-hmm. Colton, were you able to procure it and did a dandy? I did procure it and it, uh, it dandied in turn. But to really paint this one in a good little analogy for everybody. So um, our favorite part. Yeah, yeah, Burl. <laughs> Burl, Burl told me uh, about his chickens earlier today, and uh, so they just moved a little bit more out of town, right? They're up in Dallas, right? They were in Argyle. They moved out to a new town. I actually don't know. The what do the it, chickens but, do for work that they were afford, able to afford moving? Uh, they they, uh, they they have uh, periods for us to eat. Oh, their, their eggs. Yeah, that's Super. a really gross way to put it, but really is right. Yep, yeah, but I'm I'm uh, off eggs, but how about that? <laughs> Should have chose better words. But yeah. um yeah, so Burl, the adventures of Burl, all right. So um they have you have to have uh roosters with your chickens, from what I understand, for them to have lay eggs, right? And so they have currently have three roosters, right? They got one called Shawshank, they got one called Big Cock, and they got one called Little Cock. Can we say cock on here? We can. If it's re- referring to a rooster, yes. It is the proper excellent. name. Well, all of these are referring to roosters. And, um, excellent. So Shawshank is a, uh, he's an ass. And he is, his name Shawshank because he's in prison. Because uh, he's, yeah, he's mean to all the, the hens, right? And he pecks on them and tries to mm, R word them and uh, do bad <laughs> stuff to them. And uh, and then little cock, oh bless his heart, he uh, Burl had me on Facetime, right? And we're listening to these roosters, and like they start to crow when he gets near, like he, he can get him to crow. He'd be like, and they'll start, <clears throat> they'll start to crow, right? And like Shawshank and Big Cock, they're bigger roosters, right? And they go like a like a good good rooster crow. Right. But then little cock, it's hilarious. Every time he tries to go, he'll be like, and like, it was like miss part of it. Every single time he tries to call and or crow or whatever you call it. And, uh, it's hilarious. But so this whiskey <laughs> is more like big cock, right? Cause big cock, he gives a good crow every time he's not mean to the ladies. He's just right down the middle of what you want in, in your cock. And, um, <laughs> push it <on. laughs> it, like, I, I, I think we got our opener. So yeah, that's for I, sure. <laughs> I, I got a, a solid. All right. So this is a bold statement here. It's a bold statement. From but, you? 
Yes. I think that this whiskey, uh, the Buffalo Trace, is the best all around. Whoa. Hold on now. The best all around Concord Dandy whiskey. (laughs) I think it is. I think it is. I mean, granted, side tangent, every time I go to a bar and like I'm going there and like it's not someone else ordering me drinks, like I'm ordering my own drinks, right? Yep. I am getting something different most every time. Okay. Right. Rarely will I order the same thing twice. Like, okay. especially if it's in a different place. Like I, I want to try. That's how I you wake try. up with, with a brutal headache. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah well, he doesn't ever go to sleep. So, it, you know, it works out. <laughs> well, I want to try everything. Right. But um, I feel like this whiskey is like, if I was going to tell someone, Hey, go make yourself a Concord dandy. Go buy these ingredients. Go buy this whiskey. Whatever I would tell them, Buffalo Trace. I feel like it's it's good. It's warm. It's not too. It's not too any which way, right? It 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 fits in well, and it's a it's a great mixing whiskey. I I, I did also make a um, oh an old fashioned with it, and it went well. You know, that kind of as expected, right? Yeah. But the uh, for a dandy, I think this is the best whiskey to make a Concord dandy with. And Excellent. I'm gonna make a big statement like that. I'm gonna put it down. So, uh, strangely enough, and I had no idea the reference point you were gonna give us as to why Buffalo Trace was as good as it was. Uh, oh, I know what he's gonna say. But the whiskey of the week for this week is. One of, in my opinion, one of the most underrated whiskeys and one of the biggest bang for the buck whiskeys around, especially for the price point, uh, it is called Fighting Cock. And no it is act- way. It is. <laughs> that that it is was not planned. Not Are planned you serious? at all. 100% not planned. It is a oh, 100. 100- I wasted the whole cock reference on the wrong thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, um, my God. It can make a round two. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, so strangely oh. enough, this is actually a whiskey that is created by the Heaven Hill Distillery. And Heaven Hill has put out some amazing whiskeys before. They are responsible for a ton of different things. Most people do not realize that Fighting Cock is another product from the Heaven Hill Distillery. It comes out at 103 proof, but it is $20 on the shelf. And for the money, it is an unbelievable whiskey for 20 bucks. So that, my friend, is where there's, where your conquest lies. There's nothing anybody loves better than cheap cock. <laughs> a cheap fighting cock, for that matter. A cheap fighting <laughs> cock, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Whatever. Fork yeah. Yeah, let's go. Um, I'm excited for it. Awesome. Uh, so I think... Well, all right, go ahead. Being that we're already at an hour and basically 40 minutes here, can each of us do a a 30-second nugget to try and keep this episode below the two-hour mark? Yep. Uh, I I have a quick one, but go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Remember to change the bit on your Fest tool or just take it out when you're done so you don't put five millimeter holes when you want a six millimeter and like, a hundred things on your festival. What router? 
Domino. No, on your domino. On your domino? Okay. Because they have different sizes, and he spent all day putting holes in something, and you visually can't see the difference between a five and a six millimeter. Well, I had put the five millimeter in there, and we needed the six, and it was disastrous, to say the least. It was technically you could have put the uh, five millimeter domino plugs into it that would have held up, especially depending on the way you build. You probably had enough strength with the five millimeters and the amount you put into the piece. But except the fact for the runners had already been done with sixes. Ooh, that's right. not going to work. Shame. <laughs> yeah. so, well, we just Shame. we just we just re, we just redid them, you know, and it just kind of made a weird looking hole, but it worked. So there you go. Anyway. All right, Colton, what do you got? Thin CA glue for filling like your little smaller bubbles, especially in resin. Yep. Like right, like I'll have like a little bunch of bubbles at the end. Like mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it's easier just to fill them with CA glue instead of try to put resin back in. Yep. And so thin CA glue versus like your medium thick versus thick. Do you use uh, activator with it or do you just let it be on its own? Activator. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I do that. I did, I, do, do you use the colored, like the star bond adhesive thin? No, CA no. Because this is, this is filling holes in resin, right? Yeah, so, but it depends on the you, color, color of the resin. Do you have the colored pigments to match the resin? Oh, actually, I made that mistake once. Um, I had some black resin and I was like, oh, I'll use the black CA glue. But no. Whenever light shines through it, the uh, the black CA glue does not let line sh- light shine through it, whereas the clear does. And so I should have used the clear. Hmm. So good yeah. to know. Uh, Interesting. That's a good. You got Ross. Uh, I'm actually going to reference back to the the plastic straws or just the drinking straws for oh, clearing. That out. was a good one. I wrote that one down. Yeah, to clear out glue, um, you can you can kind of deform them if you will to get the squeeze out of any kind of glue that you're using, or you can kind of press them flat and run them down the piece, the length of wherever the glue line is. And it'll literally collect all the glue into the straw, toss the straw away. Glue cleanup is done. So, so did you, did you learn that or somebody teach you that one? Uh, I happened to see that on somebody. I couldn't tell you who somebody's YouTube channel saw somebody doing it. I was like, no way does that work? And it 100%. The what? only thing, no way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Oh, I love that guy. Uh, I love I that guy. I love that guy. Dude, I can't tell you how many times I've I've seen something on like an Instagram reel, and like I, I just like save it in my mental bank for mm-hmm. for later. Yeah. The I, only thing I will amazing. say, yeah, the only thing I will say that has also worked extremely well for me is number one, putting out uh like the construction paper underneath a glue up, so that when I squeeze yeah. everything with the clamps all the construction paper collects all the drips. That's huge. And then also if it's just a flat, like glue up piece where there's not an angle in there, just coming through with a, um, a paint scraper or a putty knife. Yeah. I used a putty knife. It yeah. just didn't get quite as close. As I wanted. Yeah. It gets pretty close, but then you can wipe everything on that construction paper and throw the paper away yeah, at the end. That's, so, that's, that's the bomb. Yeah. yeah. So bomb, those are, bomb. uh, those are, that's my nugget or nuggets. Nuggets. You boys have anything else you want to cover? No. Oh, well, the tape on the miter. That's a good one, too. Yes. If nobody's ever done that, that is like. That does work that very is, well. That is like incredible. Yeah. Colton's trying to figure out what you're talking about. 
when you're doing two forty fives together, you, you lay them like this, and then you oh, tape it. Oh, oh, oh uh, you, well, you tape the backside. Okay. It. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, it's the face. Of I was it. picturing you putting tape down on like some uh, painters tape down on your miter saw. I was like, what are you talking about? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. It worked very good. Okay. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoyed every second of this episode. If you didn't, please send your legal complaints to our uh, legal representation at Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe and Associates. For Jess, Colton, and Ross, this has been the Beat Around the Bench podcast. We will catch you all next time. Let's go, baby. Yeah.